everyone. Welcome to Wool and Spinning Radio. My name is Rachel and I want to welcome you to this place. Today is a bonus episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this month to the second uh, episode that's going to be available this month for everybody. I want to thank Rebecca and Becca for joining me this month on this episode. So Becca joined us from Glasgow in Scotland. She is Bethy Forty pretty much everywhere. You guys are more than familiar with her voice because she's been on other episodes. And I was finally able to coordinate with Rebecca and bring her in as well. So Rebecca is Rebby J pretty much everywhere. So you guys know her. She's been around for quite a long time, almost since they've both been around almost since the beginning. And um, Rebecca comes to us from Iqaluit in Nunavut, which is in Northern Canada. So uh, Nunavut is one of our Canadian territories and she lives up there it is I think it's the capital um Iqaluit and some people say Iqaluit and some people say Iqaluit so uh it's a northern northern town and um her and her husband live up there with their two daughters and yes Rebecca is pregnant so many 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 congratulations to Rebecca what a wonderful blessing and um I hope you really enjoy our conversation today. It's It was quite long. We were all in a very contemplative, quiet mood. And so the conversation is quite serious and goes quite deep quite quickly. I hope that you find that enjoyable and uh, thought-provoking while you listen to us as you're doing whatever it is that you do when you listen to Wool and Spinning Radio. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show and I'll talk to you next month. our word all right so i know what i'm giving you guys uh becca's done this before rebecca have you do you want a bit of a rundown yes please prepare me (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you don't really need it but um so i just i just uh, loaded random number generator and i just um hit generate and it gave me a word <laughs> so then we what? Are, okay yeah so then we're gonna take wow does, I... yeah that's how i do it <laughs> that's a lot easier because i've been like i've been like hey, what's she gonna pick and like am i gonna like psychoanalyze what she's gonna choose for us to talk about but that's yeah. really not that no that's no. a much better idea <laughs> it's uh choosing it's would be so hard <laughs> it relies yeah. on on the internet being able to spew random words at me <laughs> that's great that's um, forced creativity yeah <laughs> um, oh man this could be really random then oh yeah yeah we've we've lucked out so far because uh we've had we've had a couple of like it's actually been like pretty good so far the words that we've got <laughs> yeah the internet mm. knows what we need <laughs> i don't know whether to be worried about that or not yeah, a bit. I feel like the English language is so, like you can, like the, like words in the English language, I suspect it's like this in all languages, have so many meanings nowadays that it's actually mm-hmm. relatively easy to relate just about anything back as long as it's not like a physical object. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even yeah. then, I English suspect is, you can yeah. push it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very well loaded for metaphor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes. Um, yeah, so I just got our word. So do you guys want to know what it is? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. It's actually a really good one. So it's pursuit. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Pursuit. Pursuit. Mm -hmm. This is like the deep word number generator. I was going to say that's deep. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe I'm just re- reading way too much into it, but that sounds deep. No, I feel like there's a lot of places we could go with this one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I also feel like um, um, I'm always worried when I when I do it because I'm always like, how many times do I hit refresh before I take the word? Um, ah. Yeah, because like <laughs> yeah. sometimes, so the first word it gave me was grounds, like G-R-O-U-N-D-S, like grounds, uh-huh. like, like, you know. Yeah. It, Coffee. Yeah, so my rule is exactly. I only hit once. I only hit refresh once. So uh, you gotta have some rules around it. Or yeah, else it's I just... think you kind of have to have like something because otherwise you're sort of it's not really that random. <laughs> it's, it's whatever my whim <laughs> says it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, pursuit. So we are. Right. I'm just gonna um, do a bit of a blurby here so that um, everybody knows who I'm talking to. Um, I am joined today by um, Becca, who has been on the podcast before, and by Rebecca, who is new to the podcast. So if you guys want to say hello quickly. Hi, everybody. Hello. Um, so Rebecca is actually joining us from Iqaluit, um, which is in northern Canada. You're not quite in the Arctic Circle, but you're right up there. And uh, Becca comes to us from Glasgow. So mm-hmm. we're sort of coming from, we're all in the Northern Hemisphere, but we're sort of coming from all over. <laughs> we were able to coordinate yes. um, getting on and chatting together, which is really awesome. Thank you for taking the time, both of you. And um, we're going to chat about pursuit. So now that you guys have had nice. a couple seconds to think about it, um, do you want right. to throw out some of your initial thoughts? Maybe Becca, we'll start with you since you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Well, I, the thought, the word made me immediately think of, of a process that's never ending. Mm. Um, because pursuit makes me think of movement and progress, but not actually reaching anything. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, last year I read a really great book, um, called The Rise by Sarah Lewis. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the idea of mastery or trying to get better at something, but knowing true masters know that the horizon always recedes from you, that there's always, it never, the pursuit never ends, that there's always another horizon to aim for. And, um, and that that is part of the process of understanding your skills and your development as a person. So to me, the idea that pursuit doesn't end is, is not a, a discouraging thing, but is a, is quite a um, a powerful metaphor. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm American, so the the first thing when I hear pursuit, it jumps to my mind is pursuit of happiness, which mm. is mm. Uh, in our preamble to the Constitution, right? Oh mm-hmm. man, that would be really bad if I got that wrong. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think it, I don't know. With, Somebody like Plato or somebody like that said that we can't help but pursue our own happiness. Mm. Like it's just mm-hmm. it it's something we're gonna do. It's just it's you our know, nature. It's like pursuing oxygen. Yeah. It's it's life. Mm. And like I, I don't know but for for me in my crafting life recently, trying to figure out how craft fits into my life has very much been that question of like what will actually make me happy mm. you know because mm-hmm. the things that I 
I would default to, you know, which is just going shopping and making stuff and following kind of my instinct and my compulsions, like, doesn't work for me anymore. It just Mm. stopped. My life has changed so much between being a mom and being a priest and being, uh, you know, living in the north. It just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So I've Mm -hmm. I've had to recalibrate my pursuit of happiness. Hmm. And... You know, because what you think in the moment, like, oh, if I buy that thing or if I try this thing, maybe that, you know, that sounds really appealing for some reason. I have to sort of break it down. Why is this appealing to me? What is this appealing to? And and mm-hmm. sort of fine tune that inner sense mm. of like, mm. of, um, okay, am I wanting to buy this because I'm avoiding something else? Or mm. is this something that really fits with where I'm at and something I'm interested in? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just something I've been forced to think a lot about lately. Because uh, autopilot isn't working for me anymore. Is that because you're living in such an isolated area that it's you can't just walk down to the street and pick stuff up, or is that partially just where you're at in life, or do you think it's both? I think it's more where I'm at in life because mm-hmm. even though I live in a very isolated place, I. Still have the internet and yeah. can buy almost anything That's from anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes longer to get here, which is kind of nice. You know, my my two day Amazon purchase take two weeks to get here, so <laughs> I have to think a little harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, shipping is an issue, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I really can get anything I want and. I think it's more affected because I live in a very isolated place because I spend a lot of time indoors and it's very dark this time of year. I find I get into a very shoppy mode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like a very comp like a very coping mechanism let's mm-hmm. shop kind of thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, that I just thought it was Yeah, your body's probably yeah. craving a little bit of that like dopamine, that that feel good you know, mm-hmm. kind of hormone type stuff. It's probably actually a little bit of like nature versus nurture kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed, um, so I noticed a couple of years ago I had, I was chatting with a, was it a Ravelry group or some other people, some other knitters. And we were talking about, you know, the ideas of acquiring craft supplies and how we feel about that. Mm. And um, that kind of perennial question of, is it a burden? Is it something we find inspiring? Is it something we worry about? Is it something that we find useful? Um, and I real and, and so um, one of the people asked a really good question, which is when when you do decide to buy something, have you ever thought about what's your trigger? Like what what is it that makes you choose to buy that? Um, and if you look back at the things you've purchased. Um, at, the, at the yarn you decided to purchase over the last five years or the last however long. Do you remember why? And um, and I just like, oh, I, I never really thought about it. But I figured out that one of my triggers, um, especially during the winter, because it's I'm not quite as far north as Rebecca is, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely feel yeah, it. Far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely feel it. And so... I noticed that I was buying bright colors. Now I am a person who wears a lot of gray and a lot of black mm. and quiet, quiet colors personally. But I noticed I was starting to buy for a while there, and it hasn't been a problem for a while. But 
or it hasn't been a pattern for a while, but for a while there I was buying, you know, just one or two skeins of orange or just something brighter because I noticed that um, that made me feel better. Mm. Or at least I thought it was going to make me feel better. I was just kind of naturally searching out. And I wasn't going to spend loads of money, so I'd always talk myself into, oh, it'll just be one skein. But, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. a bunch of single skeins don't do you much good. Well, mm-hmm. they, you can probably use single them, but... skeins of not quite the same orange. Yeah, I exactly. Problem. <laughs> and so, yeah. pl- plus, and, and in all honesty, I wasn't. I realized I wasn't really sure how those skeins would become part of my overall life, mm-hmm. which, I, which is important to me. And so I realized I was just going for the color. Mm. I wasn't thinking about wasn't thinking about its long term life as part of my life. Um, but it was it was a winter time, lower energy, looking for a hit of something. Mm-hmm. And um, and then okay, well, and my so my strategy around that was, if I want to see these bright colors, maybe I need to put up more bright colors in my home, mm-hmm. um, mm. and 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 supply those myself as something to to you know, to see. And that was when I started displaying more stuff, either just a skein of yarn or more things that were brightly colored. Um, because our, our home is also quite neutral, mm. shockingly. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like, if I want to see them, then maybe I, I can provide that for myself. I don't have to go out and buy something in order to get that. Um, but it was an interesting, it's something I definitely notice. Um, that is really, yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah. a very but, but, like practical yeah. solution. <laughs> but humans, I remember listening to a psychologist um, um, on public radio, and humans are really, really bad at, at accurately predicting what's going to make them happy. Yeah. Mm. We yeah. miss the mark on that repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that we, you know, that's, you have to figure out over time. And usually for a while you end up looking in the wrong places. Well, I think we live in mm-hmm. such a consumer driven culture, regardless of whether you agree with it or not, that the default sort of to make you quote unquote happier is to spend, right? Is to buy. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's that quick hit to, you know, you get that, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you get that rush of dopamine and it, it makes you feel better. Um, I also think too, it's really easy to sort of start, purchasing a lot and buying a lot when you don't have a lot of making time mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. purchase it makes you feel um like you're creating and making or you have these new acquisitions that now you can make or create with when mm-hmm. really your making time or hasn't really increased and the busyness of life hasn't really increased mm-hmm. or whatever's keeping you from making hasn't changed you've just now bought because mm-hmm. I always find I fall into that, like, um, you know, I absolutely have to make, you know, X, Y, Z new projects um, mm-hmm. when I feel like I don't have time to make anything. You know, I start <laughs> buying patterns. Um, you know, I absolutely have to cast on that sweater five minutes ago. Um, you know, so I must need a new sweater quantity of yarn. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the reality is, like, I don't actually have time to make. Like, there's something going on in life that day, week, month that I'm not carving out that time for whatever reason. Cause I always find when I don't feel like it's missing, even if I'm not making a lot at that time, if, if I don't feel like it's missing, I don't feel that need to, um, fill, fill it with something like, you know, whether it be purchasing mm. stuff or, um, 
you know, casting something on because I absolutely have to do it five minutes ago. It's usually because there's mm. something else at that time in life that's, um, I was going to say fulfilling me because I don't love the, this constant pursuit of quote unquote happiness. I don't, I don't love mm. what that stands for in our culture. Cause of course we very much have that up here too. Um, cause in a lot of ways our cultures are very similar. Mm-hmm. And it's very much that, well, do what you do, what makes you happy sort of attitude. And mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything inherently wrong with it. I just have a problem when it becomes the be all end all because yeah. you, you can't be happy all the time. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's just not mm-hmm. physically possible. I think you can have a lot of joy in your life, um, mm-hmm. but the slog of day in, day out, I think there's sort of this false this is just my own opinion, but I, I do think there's a sort of this false, um, uh, sort of message out there that you can be having fun and being happy all the time. And it's mm. physically like even our bodies are not capable of that all the time, you know, and it always mm. feels like a bit of a cop out, um, to not really have to take things very seriously. Like, you know, you don't have to follow current events because, you know, I don't want to know cause that'll bring me down. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. It can get very, um, um, because very avoidant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so exactly. It's very interesting. And I think we do it, um, with our making too, you know, if things aren't going very well or like you've got something going on in your project that you feel like is just really not going well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> easy to default to, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Like, you know. I'm going to move on to something else. Or I'm not going to, you know, um, work through this difficult thing that is whatever this learning curve is, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you're making that jump in skill. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was really just thinking about this last night. Cause, um, I went to a, a documentary screening that a, a friend of mine made this movie about, she's in it and she's in it and she's, she did this beautiful documentary about going back to where, to her roots, to she actually grew up on the land. She was one of the last people to grow up, like in igloos and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, she? you know, she's like in her forties. She's okay. like in her forties. She's quite yeah. young. Okay. Um, yeah, she was a teenager when when they moved to town, and she just it's a beautiful movie. And of course, I was really really tired, and you know, she's my friend, so I was like afterwards just crying, <laughs> just like bawling. <laughs> it was so personal that it's just one of the things that makes you question your own journey and. And one of the things I asked her afterward was, what would you say to a young person or a young Inuk who's who's still asking these questions about their journey? And she said, um, you know, she described a little bit of her journey and how she moved all around and ended up making the decision to move home. And she said, well, I would just say, follow your heart. Mm. And... Um, which is a really complicated statement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a... It, it can be a platitude, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but but I was like, no, you are a really thoughtful person. You would not just say this, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like so a I thought about it. Yeah. yeah, right. I I know her. She doesn't mean it that way. Um, so because when I think about my situation, it's like, well, my heart is divided. Mm-hmm. My heart is more than one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of my life is just very challenging right now. Like the day to day raising two small children and it, you know, it's just 
uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good word. It's terrible. It's not. It's yeah. not. No, like, but it's uncomfortable. It's that's such awful. a great word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not terrible. I'm super, super blessed, and I have so much to be thankful for. But I you know, a lot of the dating feeling that exhausting. Yeah, I remember very much feeling that when I was in your stage that you're at right now, Rebecca. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. really feeling like life was uncomfortable, and that we were in this like. I felt like we were, I was sort of always rubbing against sandpaper a little bit and it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. unpleasant. It was like this constant feeling of like self challenge, you know, cause the kids are challenging mm-hmm. you because of the age that they're at. That's kind of their job in life as toddlers and particularly that age group. <laughs> it's very intense. Yeah. So you're on all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's usually like other stuff going on in life, you know, professionally with careers and you know, it's a, it's a strain on your marriage and your relationship and, um, you know, it's, it's a time like, for some tough decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a, you know, I, and I think as moms, like, I think I, I would love to see it talked about a lot more rather than head down, get through until the kids go to school kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I get why there is that sort of out there, um, because everybody's just trying to survive, but it is an uncomfortable time in life. I, I just, that really resonates mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to jump in there, Rebecca, but yeah. No, yeah. no, it's, it's good to have that affirmation. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't, I think not that I'm the only person who's like this, but my re- reaction to discomfort is always just run away, yeah. tune out, mm-hmm. turn it off, you know, we'll think about something else, you know, just shut down some part of my brain so I can survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a part of my heart, if I ask the question, you know, what do I do to follow my heart? There's a part of my heart that just wants to run away, mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. leave my family, but do something to just make myself more comfortable. Mm. You know, whether it's, you know, watching a bunch of TV, not something necessarily restorative, mm-hmm. but something that just makes me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But there's another part numbing. of my heart that... A little bit of numbing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a time for that. Sure. Um, <laughs> but there's another part of my heart that, that knows that I have to push through, that mm-hmm. there's no going back. And, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be no, that I have no regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back would only mean regrets. Mm-hmm. So, like, the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of following your heart, you know, really, when I get down to it, involves very much going against the grain of comfort and consumption and being happy all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... And that takes an extraordinary amount of self-knowledge and reflection to come to because, you know, to to see... Yes, of course. Yeah. And and just time thinking about it, which most people don't, I think, we're not encouraged to take um, because of just this kind of... I don't know. I kind of view it as like this cult of busyness. Mm-hmm. Whenever I talk with other moms at, or the other parents at, with, at school or, or things like that, everyone just talks about being constantly busy and constantly exhausted, yeah. like mm-hmm. a badge of honor. And, yeah, and, if, and that if you're not constantly busy or talking about how tired you are, then you're somehow not doing I don't enough. know. Yeah. It's that you're somehow slacking off. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and just, but, but there's it doesn't seem that there's any encouragement for a space to 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 stop to think mm-hmm. to reflect to notice patterns to notice your responses to things mm-hmm. and um and like that then that's and, and and I I gotta admit I mean I grew up so I grew up in Minnesota and I grew up as a, a part of a very um how shall I put this 
a very Scandinavian <laughs> farmer work super hard family, mm. which is great. You grew great, up on Prairie Home Companion, is what you're saying? I, I, I did. That, that, yes, very much so. <laughs> and, um, and, um, I grew up in like East Coast, the busiest, craziest people listening yeah. to Prairie Home Companion, like this yeah, other exactly. planet. <laughs> and, that, and, and the work ethic, the work ethic is, um, how shall I put this? The work ethic is incredibly valuable to me. And even mm. though I kicked against it as a kid, mm. it taught me valuable lessons. But there's also, I think, kind of a shadow side to that, which is if you're not being productive right now, then you're wasting time. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to figure out, because like you, Rebecca, I mean, I, I do, my, my, my natural reaction to, to stress or overwhelm is to get a book or escape into a story or just kind of pull back and retreat. Now, that can be a necessary thing. Um, especially when I get kind of overwhelmed on my introverted side, I just need to retreat for a little bit, but mm -hmm. also that can be, I can go too far the other way and, um, retreat too mm -hmm. far and then use it as kind of a cowardly excuse to kind of get out of the hard stuff. And, um, but also I don't want to, I don't want to have that nagging voice of my family, my, that, that, that maybe my grandfather's voice in the back of my mind, you know, saying, um, there's always work to do. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, um, that, that, that quiet time isn't a waste of time, but an important productive, it's productive in its own way, um, but that it's not, it could be quiet and yet not, like you said, Rebecca, there's a difference between a quiet time that is useful or helpful and a quiet time that is, is um, avoidance. Yeah, and self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the difference between those because I'm, I'm I'm finding I'm not always aware of of that. But I also don't I don't want to I don't want the productivity the productivity kind of whiplash whip mm. to be constantly driving me that if I'm not making something that I'm wasting I don't know. Especially yeah. in our culture where we value um, like I, I've blogged about this and I've talked about it before like you know, that, that if we're not making something, we're somehow not, um, contributing to society. Like there's very much a culture of, I mean, you know, entrepreneurialism and, you know, make, 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 whether it's, you know, a physical item like us, we're crafting and making things. Um, but there's also, you know, building companies and valuing, um, this culture of development all the time mm -hmm. that we're constantly mm -hmm. making things and making progress and making money and, um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Right. So, um, and like society, certainly in the Western world anyways, doesn't really value, um, some of the soft skills that aren't measured, that aren't as measurable, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, nurturing, caring, you know, child rearing, um, and, and mentorship, um, you know, you could just go on and on and on and, and there, you can't quantify them quite as easily. Um, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to, somehow and they're very difficult to automate um you know and there isn't the cachet of you know how often do you hear moms who are stay-at-home moms say oh i'm just a stay-at-home mom you're not just a anything <laughs> like you're right yeah. you know, you've chosen to spend your time raising your children and that is admirable like there's you know there's very few women now especially where i live who choose that 
um, for many different reasons. But often you hear, I couldn't be home with my kids full time because they would drive me batty. You know, they value Mm -hmm. their, their careers more. And and that's a choice. It's not right or wrong. It just is what it is. Um, you know, and we don't, so like, I think we get like the, uh, culturally we get very, we're, we're constantly told that the soft skills aren't as important. Right. And so there's that, that constant drive of do, do, do make, make, make. It's one of the reasons why I've actually sort of in the last like year or so really bucked against even self-identifying as a maker, because there's, there's a lot, um, we could do a whole entire podcast series on that. Um, mm. cause there's a lot of negative mm-hmm. things associated with being a maker as well. I think we kind of rah, rah, bit, bam, boom, um, particularly on the, in, in the Instagram community about being makers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but there's, there is like kind of a negative side to that too. And, and to pursuing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You just said like five things and I'm trying to decide what to respond to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that was all so interesting. That's why I always feel like when I'm listening to your podcast, now I get to actually say something. That's yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Use your words wisely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm also feeling like I'm in a very like reflective, contemplative move, mood because um, I've had, so I came off nights this morning, so I'm, I've only had a few hours of sleep because I went to sleep <laughs> at 9 a.m. Um, cause our, our night was just incredibly busy. Um, but since basically I'd say probably mid September. Um, so you know, I talk about this on, on the podcast and stuff like I, so I work weekends. I, I basically mm-hmm. like go to work on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. And then I come home from work either Sunday night, Monday morning, depends on sort of how my shifts fall and whatnot. And, um, so I don't see the kids for 48 hours basically. Um, most weekends. So at least three weekends out of four, if it's a four weekend month and four weekends out of five, if it's a five weekend month and, um, and sometimes all of them, just depending on how shifts fall. And the, so I have like these two hats that I wear. I wear my, my nursing, very professional trauma, um, hat that's very serious. And, and for whatever reason, since mid September, it's just been insane. Like we've had really, really horrible cases and, Mm -hmm. um, young people like right now our 20 bed trauma ICU because we're the trauma center for the province um and we do everything in our ICU but our main our main focus is polytrauma and neuro neuro injuries so uh, traumatic brain mm. and uh, but we get everything um right now so as of this last night at midnight we didn't have anybody over the age of 67 um so and of those people um two thirds of them were under 30 Mm-hmm. And we were talking about like, you know, cause so, and a lot of us are moms and we, we have mm-hmm. a very mixed unit, like men and women, like we're actually quite lucky cause a lot of units are very heavy with women and we do have a lot of women nurses, but we actually have a good mix, which is unusual. And I think it's cause we have a lot of trauma. Um, but what I was going to say was, you know, the, the, a lot of the skills that I use on the weekends are very soft skills. Um, I have a lot of technical skills, obviously, because of the type of nursing that I do. Um, but they're very, it's very soft skills heavy because we're dealing with end of life. We're dealing with, um, so it's going to get very heavy very quickly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, so lots of end of life, lots of like families in crisis and you're dealing with all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's these very, like very difficult skills to quantify because you're dealing with you know, you're nurturing, you're mentoring, you're educating. Um, cause we got, we have lots of, we're teaching hospitals. So tons of students, um, nursing and, um, medical. 
And, uh, and so I'm kind of wearing that hat for these two or three days on the weekends. And then Mm -hmm. I'm kind of on my drive home from my last shift. I have to kind of shift back into this other role that I do, which is being a mom and running all of this stuff and being a wife, which is at the top of my list. My husband and I decided when we got married that we were going to put that first, because if we had our marriage, then we had a home and we had a home to raise our children in. And that was really important to us. And so, Mm -hmm. and so my, my role, if you will, at home is very like heavy in these, like still in these soft skills of like nurturing and, and, you know, with the kids and, and all of that. And then I kind of have this other hat that I wear at home. That's like the making and just really, truly loving to delve into you know, the properties of wool and, you know, why (laughs) wool clothing is, is, is so wonderful. And, and, you know, and now I've been getting into like plant-based fibers as well to like put those two together. And it's such a dichotomy. Like they pull at each other, these two sort of self, you know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Identifications, I guess you could say. Um, it's very kinds of soft skills in very different settings. Yes. Yes. Very different dynamics. In a culture yeah. that values make more, do more, um, you know, create more, um, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that because my, you know, being a priest, it's like all, all soft skills all the time. Yes. Like, yes. you know, I maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'll write a sermon sometimes. I get like technical for about five seconds and then I have to go back to... <laughs> you know, feelings. Um, but yes. yeah. And, and my commute home was about five steps. Um, cause we live right next to the, to the office. So I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. Having some transition time. I should think about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I do feel very torn between those two worlds and between those two, directions of energy mm-hmm. uh, I don't you know it's like being somebody's pastor is very very analogous to being a mother like super analogous yeah in mm-hmm. terms of yeah. you know absolutely yeah I mean you think in terms of just like caring for somebody right yeah. caring for somebody is is really just caring for somebody but caring for your child is quite different from caring for, you know, someone going through a crisis or, you know, and the technical skill sets that go with it are just mm-hmm. nothing alike, you know, <laughs> researching, you know, child development because my kid is going through blah, blah, blah versus, you know, trying to figure out how you talk to someone with a drug addiction. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they, they feel super, super different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with, being torn between those two worlds Mm. and I just uh, I remember reading something you teach um, right yeah me sorry yeah I do um although right now I'm teaching in just a voluntary basis I mean on a very part-term basis so um but so I don't find myself as as torn or switching hats as often um so I teach on a Sunday and I and I teach um my background is in is in uh, Jewish studies and and biblical studies, and so I teach on a Sunday, and that's very very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember um, reading a, something that really struck me because the the transition because I did decide to stay at home 
um, full time while while Henry was small, mm-hmm. and um, and and I've and while I have known that was a good decision for me, it hasn't always made it an easy decision to live with, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or simple not live with. Live with is the wrong phrase, but always an easy decision to live each day. Um, well, that's a good. And way I remember, yeah, yeah, and and I I remember reading. So they were doing a study. Um, on people who had uh, interviewing mostly women, um, but you know, who had chosen to um, leave the workforce for a time period. Now, either those people had chosen to return return home for a while to take care of a child. Some had the responsibility of caring for an elderly parent, mm-hmm. but they had chosen to go from a professional phase of their life to back to a caring more domestic phase of their life or not back to, but just, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they were talking about the, the kind of emotional and mental challenges that that brought up for them. And one of the things that got repeated by many people was the one, one of the big things that they missed about a professional environment was the structure. Oh, interesting. Was having a superior in, in, a, in, a, in some sort of hierarchical structure, having a goal set by it, an organization, getting feedback from a supervisor, um, and having clear-cut, you know, targets to hit or things to do, and then realizing that as they became a carer, for either for an elderly parent or for a kid or for someone or for someone who is disabled, that they no longer had anyone to tell them, "You've done a good job. Yeah, you're making the right choices. Um, you are yeah. reaching your goals." Um, they never got. They, they realized they had no supervisor <laughs> to either give them ideas or or give them praise, mm-hmm. and and then realizing that they they had to create that feeling of meaning or feeling of um, feedback without another person to give it to them, and um, hmm. and I've and I've noticed that that um, for what and there are, there are loads of other psychological things they mentioned um, because of the very thing you mentioned, Rachel, the mm-hmm. idea that caring being a caregiver is not a very prestigious mm-hmm. the, the kudos the just the, the pride from a recognition in your, by your society does not usually come with that mm-hmm. um, you know if you're if you're if you've decided to to stay and to take care of a you know a parent struggling with dementia not only is it you know exhausting and demoralizing mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also nobody is giving you any praise for that and yeah. um, nobody sees the struggle every day, exactly. and there's nobody to, and nobody to, there's nobody to say you're doing it right. There's no outside framework to tell you that you're doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. There's no best practice. I mean, it's just so true. you know. Yeah. Um, and so when you don't have yeah. that framework, it can be incredibly, um, incredibly just you know, like you're floundering around without any guidance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the thing I remember feeling most about the. When I decided to, to focus on what the, those soft skills, was just a, a, like there's no one to tell me if I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when you're a teacher, I mean, even though there are, there are lots of soft skills involved, mm-hmm. you still have you still have frameworks and targets and or just best practices and things that you know you're supposed to be doing and strategies that you've been taught and developed over a long time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I just didn't have those anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And, and your like, kid is not really the best one to go to for feedback all the time. 
No, because no. yeah. your child is never going to say, great, great job. You parented me really great that day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, I'm really making my kid mad right now, and I think that's yes. probably what I'm supposed to be doing, yeah. but I don't really know. <laughs> I hope feel great, great because way. otherwise it's so not worth it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Rebecca, have you... Becca, have you have you found like for you as you've had to do this because I'm going to be doing this like I'm I'm going to be going home full time um, probably in a couple months because right. we're having another baby and and we've just yep. decided congratulations again by the way yeah. thank you thank you it's we've decided it's time for me to I'm ready and we're ready and it's just going to be good um, mm. so I'm curious what you've how you've applied uh, what you've done to give yourself that feedback or. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, well, I think, so from a very personal sense, um, a lot of that comes from my spiritual tradition, or at least looking for my validation and from a different source mm. and asking for it and asking mm-hmm. for it in a spiritual sense to say, I need to know that what I'm doing is valuable. And just, I just need to feel it some days because I can know it. I know in my head that it's valuable work. Mm-hmm. Um, but asking to feel it at least every once in a while mm-hmm. and to just feel loved and appreciated for what I'm doing. Um, asking my spouse to tell me that my work is appreciated mm-hmm. was a tough thing to do, mm-hmm. but an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't come to that feeling or decide to do that, or at least fuck up the courage to do that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say, you know, I need, I need you to tell me, not every day. I don't want, not in like in a, oh, I need appreciation, but like a, just every once in a while to say, you know, I think you're doing a really great job, or I think that you handled that well, or I really appreciate the effort you're putting into this mm-hmm. from time to time, <laughs> and just to express mm-hmm. that that, to to make sure that I'm expressing that that's a need. So expressing it in a spiritual sense to ask for that spiritually and also expressing in that to the, you know, to my partner, um, in this. And, um, so that was one thing mm-hmm. recognizing that I do need it and not feeling ashamed to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also just keeping the other parts of my brain, the other parts of my identity from sinking, not sinking, but from becoming completely eclipsed by the caretaker one. Yeah. Because as much yeah. as I love, as much as I love that part of my responsibility, if if that becomes all that I am, I can feel my center, the center of who I am being just, you know, it just shakes. It just it's just not stable anymore. And so yeah, you lose your sense of self. Yeah. You really do. It can't just because caretaking is a wonderful thing and it's an incredibly valuable skill set, whatever, however you use it. But it's also incredibly um draining mm-hmm. and and a friend of mine she's a she's a full-time um she's a marriage and family therapist and so she had to get real um sensitive to the times when she was getting drained and because mm-hmm. it's a caretaking job and mm-hmm. and and keeping her boundaries and um and and so she, she and i talked about it a lot and so i just decided to one keep writing um I was, I'm really appreciative of the fact that my church allows me to, to teach. Um, and I have that, even if it's just for a few hours a week, that focus, um, on, on something else, mm-hmm. 
And and in all honesty, the craft stuff does help me Mm -hmm. simply because there's a set of of adults that I talk to, even if it's, you know, online, Mm -hmm. that is that we're talking about something that's completely separated (laughs) from from the other parts of my life. And and so um, all of those things have helped, although it's never, never solved the balance or the, you know, all the all the difficulties of it. Um, but so I volunteer, the volunteer stuff that I do, the volunteer stuff that I do that has nothing to do with Henry as much as important as he is, um, was mm-hmm. helpful for me to keep those other parts of self alive or at least exercising them and not letting them atrophy, mm-hmm. um, was really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think I read something, we all have different selves. We all have multiple, so defining the self is very difficult but they have to be integrated. They're not going to be unified necessarily or one thing, but they can be integrated and, and feed and support one another. And, and I'm still looking for how, how to do that. Mm. But um, I think that we can feel pulled in different directions by our identities. And, and we can also find that our, our various identities, you know, support one another and, and feed into each other. And the, and those and those ebbs and flows, I think the ebbs and flows as, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that I, I find that that only happens when I make the space to reflect mm. is what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making the space to think about, well, why am I really drawn to this? Why am I getting such a kick out of this right now? Oh, it's because of this other thing going on in this other part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm terrible at actually making that space to do it, which is hilarious. But <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And also just reflecting on, like, I, but, like you said, Rachel, I can't, mm-hmm. the making part is really important, mm-hmm. but I am no longer satisfied with making for making sake. Absolutely. And, yeah. I'm definitely and, and at that stage too. Yeah. And so I, I am really thinking like, why am, why am I doing this? It's, it's, it's come back to a real, really reevaluation yeah. of, um, I have a house full of beautiful and interesting things and things that I do enjoy, but it's feeling like, yeah, it's not enough just to make it. There's gotta be, it's got to be part of something bigger. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not entirely sure if I've, I'm still thinking that one through. <laughs> well, yeah. And well, when, oh, yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead, Rebecca. Well, one thing that occurred to me early on when we were talking about pursuit is, is pursuit of learning. Mm-hmm. And, and you've both been, like, all over that as far as, you know, pursuing new skills and crafts and pursuing um, new information and sharing it and... Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you'd talk about that a little bit. Like, I think I don't know that decision yeah, process or what. I can. I, that's a that's a great a great um, question, um, Rebecca, because it, it actually ties into exactly what I was going to say um, about Rebecca's last comment about you know making for making sake. Because I know for me personally, it's actually why I jumped ahead and planned all my projects for next year so that I kind of knew where I wanted to steer my content that I put out. Um, because for me personally, I, I'm kind of at the point in my journey where I don't necessarily just want to spin a four ounce braid and have that, you know, however many, you know, yards of, of, of yarn 
mm-hmm. to then go and make something to then move on to the next project. And I, I, I don't want to devalue that or, or not say that that's not important work. Cause um, I think particularly as spinners, that absolutely is part of, of what we do. And, and it's obvious, mm-hmm. it's really enjoyable, especially when you can like sort of spin a default four ounce braid and just sit down and go into total autopilot and just really enjoy it. Um, and I, so what I mean by that is it, it's kind of not enough anymore for me. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I really love this idea and I think it's um, answered some of my questions for myself that I've been asking recently. It sounds very similar to some of the questions you guys have been asking yourselves is um, how can I, you know, keep building my skill set um, and, and sort of continue to round myself out as, as a, um, as a maker. Um, but n- but through sort of bigger projects that I can kind of bite off bigger chunks and really sort of more sink into, if that makes sense. Um, mm. You know, so rather than spinning that four ounce braid, for example, um, you know, going sort of a, a couple of steps back in the process and, you know, having a couple of fleeces to work on and um, some, some bigger spinning projects that I can sort of really go deep with, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The, the, the caveat mm-hmm. to that is they take longer to finish <laughs> so then <laughs> um, uh-huh. you, there's that commitment but then on as well um, it's hard not to get restless and want to buy because you feel like you're not making anything <laughs> you're not finishing anything because you're not finishing exactly so you don't have this like item in your lap to say uh-huh. look I made mm-hmm. that um, uh-huh. because the making just takes longer it's, that's just yeah. the reality right and that mm-hmm. I've really struggled with like that. I've like, I, I, I haven't shared this yet, um, on the podcast. Um, but by the time this goes live, I will have shared it. Um, I've been working on a cotton spin, um, the last uh, month or so. And I've been, um, spinning up all these like bits and bobs of, of cotton from my stash. Like it's taking forever. Like it just, <laughs> go- so like, what do I want to do? I want to go out and buy more cotton. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> And I can be a bit flippant. That would obviously it. be a productive part but of this it project. Obviously, right? It would fix the project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. I, th- I think it's normal. It's a natural state to crave wanting that finished object, even though I'm a totally processed person. There's that impatient side that's like, oh, you know, this is just taking so long and I can't get enough done. Mm. And I can't sit down at my wheel for long enough because, oh, wait, life, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting with like the sameness of a long project yeah. is like a pain in the neck. And it's it can like... be exhausting. <laughs> and and yeah. part of it, and I gotta say, part of that is for me anyway, is the fact that my life feels very monotonous sometimes. Absolutely. Mm. Not in a bad way, but that <laughs> it feels emotional because, in all honesty, with the exception of the weekend, and since the Sabbath is quite distinct and whatever but outside of those rhythms day could run from one to the next and and it would feel not exactly the same yeah. you know it's 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 it, there's there's that kind of never-ending cycle of of housework and parenting and, and just maintaining life and making sure the household works and 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 because that feels never-ending there's no such thing as an ending or a finished child yeah 
and, 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 or, or, and, and every single chore you have in a domestic sense is never ending. Yeah. I sometimes find that I, there's no other part of my life where I get that hit of actually finishing something. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so to feel like I'm adding, and I do want to finish big projects and I, and I have done, mm-hmm. but it, it can feel like more of the same when all mm-hmm. I really want to do is just have something fast and easy because nothing else is right now. Even though I know, even though I know that it will not give me as much satisfaction as a more intense, longer period of a larger project, I'll be more satisfied. I feel more happy with what I've done. But it's that kind of long term, you know, kind of um, postponing gratification that, uh, and just managing the 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 interim frustrations that um, can be. Yeah, just a challenge, a real challenge mm-hmm. for me. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering with that if, if that's not an opportunity for some of that integration mm-hmm. to happen. Like, you know, because I, I just started one of those big old projects because I'm spinning all those Rolex that I carded. Yeah. Yeah. I carded, uh, what did it end up being, like about a pound and a half of um, the same color. Um, mm-hmm. It's all like a really kind of interesting black plus pink red thing. I don't know how it's going to look like that. And, and I don't, I, that's part of it is like, I don't know what I've just done. I don't know if this is look good at the end and I'm going to stick with it for a pound and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did it. So I'm going to stick with it. Mm. No matter, you know. Because I know I'm going to get so bored. I am going to get so bored. And mm. I think the only way I'm going to get through that is to really sit with it and say, like, mm. you know, I'm just going to love this bobbin and this Rolag right now and be really present to it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because um, yeah. that's what I struggle with in, in, my, in the rest of my life is, you know, whether it's at work or at home, you know, I need to be present to my kid right now in this mm-hmm. whatever she's having. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least the Rolag won't, you know, shout at me. So <laughs> this is good practice. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, the Rolag will have a meltdown and, like, you know, pee on the floor or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this, is a, this is a slightly calmer opportunity to practice this thing I need to be doing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's also I, incredibly I'm exhausting. Oh, you, gosh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that like that constant presence um, and being aware of your reaction and being aware of sort of how you're responding to them. And, I mean, because it's yeah. this constant, like, you know, dance of, of um, back and forth. Um, that I like I think in some ways you know we we need that opportunity to let that guard down and be able to zone out and not be present you know like mm-hmm. I do find sometimes especially when I'm spinning especially I completely zone out um, mm. and like I'll sometimes it's like you know when you're driving really early in the morning and you have no idea how you got from point A to point B um, oh yeah yeah um, <laughs> so worrying yeah, it's totally concerning when you get to where you're going and you're like, right, I probably shouldn't have been driving. Um, but 
it's kind of the same thing with spinning sometimes like I feel like sometimes like I mentally and emotionally need that break of just being able to allow my mind to wander like I used to watch mm-hmm. tons of podcasts and I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and I'd listen to them quite quickly so that I could get through them really quickly and I yes. felt I started to feel like I was on this like constant downloading of information and downloading of, of stuff and um, it makes you crazy mm-hmm. um it's not restful at some it's point. It's not restful. Yeah. And then mm. I found like my spinning was getting like higher and higher and higher twist. And um, <laughs> I'm a pretty fast spinner anyways. Like I, you know, I, I use high ratios. I treadle quite slowly, but I can move my hands quite fast. And um, I was finding that like, you know, my feet were speeding up and my hands were speeding up and, you know, cause you're just <laughs> constantly being stimulated. And I think in some ways, like, you know, when we come to, you know, and people talk about it um, when they're weaving too, you kind of zone, you know, you get into this like mm-hmm. sort of premeditative kind of place. And I think that's mm-hmm. really valuable too. You know, the, the reward is. comes later, you know, the effects of meditation, mm-hmm. not the meditation itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in a way, I mean, our brain, our brains are designed to do that. I mean, so has, yeah. have you guys ever read the, there's a really fascinating book called Think Fast, Think Slow. And, no, and we, it, but I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just, you know, the things that w- that take a lot of conscious effort eventually become automated because, mm-hmm. because our that's what our brain does. That's what we can drive without really noticing because, you know, we've done it for so long that our brain, in order to save energy, because mm-hmm. you know, our, our we're basically it's all about saving energy and being a bit lazy to do things with at least you know possible resistance, mm-hmm. transfers those mm-hmm. skills to a different setup you no longer consciously have to think about what you're doing because you only have so much mental energy and in order to do the rest of your life um, you can't notice everything um, all the time or you'd never get anything done um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it, and just rec- yeah and just recognizing that the the slow part which requires the slow thinking through consciously you know it's like the different the, he he the author was describing is the difference between hearing two plus two and you're like your brain automatically doesn't have to think about that. And then, you know, 17 multiplied by 206. Mm. So, you know, some things are automatic and some things take a lot of effort, but the automatic stuff is there for a reason. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like everything I do on autopilot is a terrible thing because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a necessary part of what my brain and my, my, I do to, to, just to give me energy to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just that it's to do things automatically. Those are hard won skills. And I practice a lot to get to the point where I didn't have to stress and, and think about every single step of every single thing I was doing. And, um, mm-hmm. and so it's a, it's a useful, it's a useful mechanism, but um, I just, mm-hmm. there's a difference between letting your brain just do things because it's going to do things and or letting your your life just go in a certain way because it's going that way, or craft just kind of getting tossed about like a you know like a a bit of fluff, or mm-hmm. deciding or deciding this is valuable at this t- point. This is when I want to do this and making things intentional, and mm-hmm. and and not feeling like you just pulled pulled directions or pulled um, without without your will being involved. Um, and, and intentionally mm-hmm. deciding, oh, I'm going to shut down for a while, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then when mm-hmm. this time is done, I will go back to doing 
the more active things mm-hmm. and, and making that a decision rather than just happening to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're talking about intentionality, I think. Mm-hmm. And, so. and and you're talking about it on a couple of different levels because there's like the, the the process like that what is it like when you're actually doing it like are you mm-hmm. zoning out or are you concentrating and then there's also like the planning aspect of it because mm-hmm. um, like Rachel I think you're still really quite intentional about your spinning projects even if the actual doing it is pretty zoned out Mm -hmm. absolutely because that's part of that's part of my frustration right now is that like I'm not there with my spinning yet like Mm. I can't zone out while I spin at least not with this project because it's like my first major large woolen project and so I mean I'm I'm an ounce or two in and I'm still like calculating my twist and making sure I'm in the ballpark because I'm I don't know what I'm doing yet yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been knitting a lot. <laughs> I've been knitting a lot because I'll look at my wheel and be like, I don't have that in me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that moment to moment intentionality mm-hmm. available. So yes. I knit because I I can knit and not even think. Yeah, and honoring so, that too, right? Because you know, I think sometimes yeah, we put a lot sure. of pressure on ourselves to push through it and to, you know, I need to get this done and I need to, you know, get this project off the wheel or whatever it is. And, um, I, you know, I think we, we sort of forget sometimes that like it actually doesn't have to get done. You know, it, it actually can sit for a bit until you have that emotional availability to kind of go. Yeah. Intention, intention takes emotion. It's so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It's not that, that was not something that, that had to be discovered. (laughs) Yeah, there's only not obvious. It was not obvious. There's only only so many of those resources, and it is a resource that can be depleted, and then it's not there for other things. And so, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm watching the clock, and we've been chatting for a long time, and I feel like we could probably (laughs) like keep going probably till like next Monday. Because <laughs> yeah. we have so much to talk about and to share, so I'm instead of saying goodbye, I am going to invite you guys on again, and we'll chat another time and um, sort of keep this conversation going. Because I think that there's a lot of really valuable things here, and I suspect that people will have lots to share and and talk about themselves. Because um, I think a lot of this stuff are things that we all think about um, when we're you know at our wheels or doing our making or just living our everyday day-to-day lives. And I think it's, it's really valuable um, and important to, to bring out into the open and to talk about. So thank you to both of you for taking so much time out of your day to talk. It's a pleasure. Always. Oh, thanks for inviting us. It was super fun. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to, um, Becca, maybe you could go first. Um, can you just sort of let everybody know where, where you can be found? And because it's the, um, um, community, um, I, I'm just going to ask you too if you guys could just say what your um, Slack names are on the channel so that people know right. when they're talking to you that that's that that's the voice that's who they're <laughs> who they're interacting with. <laughs> true, true. Mine is somewhat deceptive um, because it's Beffy Forty online mm-hmm. on Ravelry and, and elsewhere, and that's because I had a teacher who accidentally called me Beth for a while in high school, and so um, my friend used to joke that that should be my internet persona or my alternate persona and that became a joke a joke um that happened back in the 90s and has never stopped but um so i'm bethy 40 most places online um ravelry and slack and things like that um but my real name is becca and 
on Instagram, I am Twist and Draw. Awesome. And actually, I will say, Rebecca, before you um, say where we can find, for those who are relatively new to the Slack channel, Becca is often the one that says hello and welcome. So that's who who is usually welcoming you if you're sort of new to the community. That I don't know how that sort of organically happened. I so appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> and no I love it. <laughs> but it's just wonderful. So that's probably who initially welcomed you. And Rebecca, <laughs> where can you be found? Um, I'm pretty much everywhere as Rebby J, R-E-B-B-I-E-J-A-Y-E, which was another joke from the 90s that has persisted through <laughs> changed names and all kinds of things. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me on Slack and Instagram and Ravelry. Um, and my website is Osborne Fiber. Um, Osborne with no U and no E. Fiber, spelled the American way, dot com is my blog. And I have a you have a podcast. Fledgling, yeah, I have a fledgling video cast that may or may not go anywhere. That is a a priest, uh, priest crafts. I quite enjoy on, it. I really uh, love it when you mm-hmm. put it in. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I always make sure to watch it now. Oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, it's it's very thoughtful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to you both, and um, 